I'm Lynn Taylor, campus pastor here at the Fellowship of Mount Juliet, and we're, we're pumped about today for many reasons. Trying to share the message of Christ simply and complicated. And today we're going to attempt that. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians. We continue our series on freedom. Today's message is be free. Simple, but complicated. The excitement of preparing a message all week has made me incredibly nervous, uh, more nervous than normal of speaking, just because of being clear and concise, not overcomplicating, not taking something out of context, but be true to the gospel. And that's my prayer today. Now, before we begin, I want to say one thing real quick. Um, we are working on several technical issues. Uh, the largest one, for those of you online, we, we've kind of gone through a process of trying to get better at what we do. And so part of that was changing what we did. And when we changed what we did, we had some problems and complications of uh, connection and streaming. And we would jump from one to another window and uh, the media player would play some and not play some the the audio would get confused with the video and just we, we've had all kinds of issues and we're, we've gone through some testing so be patient with us as we're trying to do this with excellence that's our goal it's not intentionally trying to mess it up and we don't realize it we we realize and we're trying to test some things and not to go into technical complications, but uh, for the last several weeks and the several weeks to come, we're working on our online presence. So uh, you be praying with us about that, that we can solve that quickly and, uh, and move on. So we, we don't want to create frustration. And those of you online, I'm, I'm trying to uh, beg for patience on that as well. So uh, if you have your Bible um, in any form, I want you to follow with me. This is Paul writing a letter trying to clear up some issues. The passage is meant to address the division between Jewish leaders, Jewish Christians, and Gentiles. Cephas is Peter. Cephas is Peter, the name Jesus gave Peter. And then third, the confrontation is about Paul trying to clear up, to put truth back in the gospel. Not making it easy. Not making the gospel convenient for just who you're with. It's not, ever, it's not changing. So your circumstances don't change the gospel. But sometimes we act like it. So that's our prayer today. If you're, if you're Following with me in Scripture, it's verse 11 through 21. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came... 
He withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. This so that we might be justified in faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Father, it's our prayer today that we're clear in message. As you wrote in a letter in Philippians that we're clear in spirit and purpose, that we understand the gospel. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Number one, don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> okay, that was easy. Don't be a hypocrite. We have a problem. We're all hypocrites. Newsflash. We're all hypocrites. You know, I hear all the time people talking about, oh, I don't want to go to church. That place is full of hypocrites. Uh, okay. <laughs> Out here is full of hypocrites too. Yeah. Uh, we're all hypocrites. That's the problem. The hypocrisy in the Greek context is an actor putting on a mask, not to be confused with where we are today with COVID. <laughs> putting on a mask to portray who they are pretending to be, thus hiding their true identity. So the word is that we're hiding behind a mask, not to be confused, that I'm playing a different role and I don't want you to know who I really am. I'm hiding my true identity. Today we use that word meaning two-faced. Paul loves Peter. If you know much about Baptist history and about Scripture and about New Testament theology, and all the tenets of our faith and doctrine of what do we believe. 
Paul is at the cornerstone of understanding. And if you've ever studied like Romans, my, my D group, uh, we have read through all of the letters and Romans is complicated and you can almost talk for two weeks, three weeks on one verse of scripture. And what does, what does Paul mean by the different parts of scripture that we're learning about? First Corinthians, all the letters, Philippians, my, my favorite book of the Bible because it's, it's the book of encouragement. But if you know those things, you know Paul loves Peter. Don't confuse that Paul is trying to push him down. That is not the message that's in, God, in the Galatians chapter, chapter 2. Paul loves Peter, but he wants to correct as he encourages him. Paul's trying to remind him of who he used to be. Trying to bring up the idea of who Paul influences knowing that he influences the, this, this New Testament church. As all these early churches are forming in all these cities, Peter is a huge part of influencing on them. You, called the rock. Cephas. But he's trying to fix it quickly. The confrontation is also because he knows all these apostles are also following Peter. Peter was bold usually talk before he thought. And because of that, he's trying to fix something quickly, trying to make sure the truth would be told. Peter should know better, though. Peter, uh, Peter also denied being associated with Christ before this happened. Three times, in fact. Remember the rooster? Well, you know. Peter, Peter, and you know Paul's just shaking his head sometimes when this would begin to happen and he would see or hear what Peter was doing and he's trying to correct that and fix that very quickly. He became uh, a part of the message that was misunderstood because he was two-faced, fitting into a hypocrite. This is about being a hypocrite versus genuine, authentic faith. Being a hypocrite versus genuine, true identity. Who you really are. Not what you do. Who you really are. Your identity. And part of why hypocrite is such a, it's almost a cop-out to a degree, but we won't go into that. That's a whole other message. The idea of being a hypocrite, of, of trying to hide your identity, is not the problem in scripture some of it is the understanding of what we're trying to do generally in understanding scripture and we try to overcomplicate something that might might be simple number two don't compromise your faith don't compromise your faith paul brings three controversies that peter compromised to light. The first one, if you have your uh, journal out or if you're taking notes, write these three down because these are huge and they're a, they're a common thread in other letters that Paul has written. One, the law's relationship to salvation. The law's relationship to salvation. 
Number two, the believer's relationship to the law. The believer's relationship to the law. Number three, the believer's relationship to Christ. Now, we intertwine some of these and we misunderstand and convolute some issues that we're going to try to set straight today. It's the law versus grace. The law versus grace. It's works versus faith. The idea that works or legal obedience is the term we're trying to come up with there of works, meaning I can be good enough. And as Paul is writing to Peter, there is a idea in the Jerusalem church that the if the good would outweigh, outweigh the bad, then you're working your way toward God's favor of salvation. Easy to talk about, but we convolute that very often. That I can be good enough versus faith. Christ died for my sin. And you can't be good enough. So it's I can be good enough. I can, I can move that way or I can not be good enough. And I accept what Jesus has done for me. Now, I've said up here several times. It, it, it would be simpler if I could do something to earn salvation. If I could swim a river, climb a tree, kill a bear, something. If I could just do something to earn the salvation. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not what I do. The law says... I need to do something. The gospel of Christ and grace says it's done. It's done. Number three, we are justified by faith. So I talked a little bit about the relationship of the believer to the law and the relationship of the believer to Christ. It, we are justified by faith in Christ. And Peter's convicted of his compromise as he has lived life in front of those who believe that. And kind of settled in. Scripture even says Barnabas began to fall into that. He's fallen into the fear of criticism of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. It tripped him up. Justification. Justified. What does that word really mean? I hear it a lot when we talk about righteousness. When I was a student, my youth pastor told us this on a Wednesday night Bible study. A play on words. Just if I'd never sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. First time I'd ever, I'd ever heard that. I've heard it many times since. But a simple way to look at justification. Because our culture doesn't breed that. Our culture is punishment. 
for bad things. And you get positive results for good things. Strokes that you feel good. That you're doing something good. But justification is not a word that means those things. Justification means that my slate is wiped clean. We're talking about the difference of justified versus pardoned. I've not been pardoned by Christ. I've been justified by Christ. And the reason why that's different is because pardon means that I still have a record, but I don't serve the punishment. Justified means that I have no record. And I have no punishment for what I did. That I live in sin. That I need a provision. Like when I was a student and I'm sitting there and I sat back in my chair when I heard that, justified, never sinned. I sat back and I was like, wow. So to God, I'm perfect. Because of Jesus Christ in my life, not because of what I am, it's because of who lives in me. And Paul says it over and over and over again. Now, now hear me, because this is not what we practice most of the time. And I, I'm putting me in this too, not, not you. The stain of sacrifice was on me and I become perfect. But that's because I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior and He lives in me. It's not because of what I do. What I do is because Jesus is living in me. Justification is my motivation because Christ lives in me. And when Paul talks about that, it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives. I died to myself. I put Jesus on the throne and now I'm different because something else is guiding me. Someone else. My motivation is different. I have a provision. Because before, I was a sinner. And when I sat back as a student, I was like, wow. So I was in destruction, in decay. I was falling apart. I was misunderstanding, feeling guilty. I didn't like feeling guilty. And I felt guilty about bad things and suddenly the bulb came on in my head. That's not what a believer in Jesus Christ is. So many of us are stuck in compromise. We misunderstand it's who we are and not what we do. Like Peter, we find ourselves trying to deal with legal obedience and the law. See, the culture drives us that way. The culture drives the idea that we need to obey the rules. The problem is the rules are not the salvation. 
The, I'm following the rules because Christ lives in me and I'm misunderstanding the salvation. The problem is not that we feel guilty. No, 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 no. The problem is we are guilty. I'm guilty. I used to be, I'd feel terrible. And I'd pray, and then I'd still feel guilty. I'd pray again, I'd still feel guilty. I'm misunderstanding. God doesn't know what I'm talking about. I've confessed my sin. It's gone. There's no record. There's no punishment. It's not I who lives. It's Christ in me. The problem is, we are guilty. How confused we get over and over again. And it's simply put, but complicated to understand. If you have your Bible or your iPad or your phone or whatever, I want you to hold it up. Hold it up. Just, just lift it up. This is our true north. This is the owner's manual for life. Okay, you can put it down. Don't hurt your arm. This is what we read. We understand. We should read. We should understand. This is true north. It's infallible word of God. It's breathed by God to man. It's been around for centuries for 2,000 years, kings have tried to hide this. Treasure hunters have tried to hide this. They've tried to destroy it. People have tried to discredit it. It's still true. It's our true north. Everything in it is true. In John 14, 6, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus Christ. We have the pathway. We know the pathway, and yet we compromise our faith. If you can find salvation in any other way, Jesus was a nut. If you can find salvation in anything you can do, anything you can be, climb for, reach for, dig up, if you can find salvation any other way, Jesus was crazy. He was a crazy man. But we know something. He was not crazy. God's provision for our sin is listed in here, simply put. And the gospel is clear that you have a need. I have a need. It's not fire insurance. It's not so that I can accept Jesus so I can go around sinning and doing anything I want. Salvation is past, present, future because it, I needed sin. I mean, I'm sorry. I needed salvation. Because I lived in sin. I needed Jesus today. I accepted Christ. So I accept salvation. 
that Jesus provided for me because he died on a cross and he's raised to walk a new life. And he's on the right hand of the Father today who lives in each of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. We believe it to be true and this Bible has always been here. It will always be because Scripture says in 1 John that Jesus is the Word and His Word is going to live and no matter what you do, you cannot remove that. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it or not. It's not changing the truth. It doesn't matter if you practice it. It's still the truth. Jesus is the way. Those who find it find salvation. Those who hear it and receive it find salvation. And every time it's through Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? As our band comes back up, I want to talk just a second about the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. It's not for just the Jew. It's for the Gentile. And to not make the mistake, Paul is trying to clear that up. Not only is he saying it's for everyone, he's saying that you are misrepresenting, Peter, the message of Christ because it's not that you're eating with sinners that's bad. It's that you now withdraw away from the gospel and act like that's not free for me. It cost everything to Jesus. So to be true to the gospel, it's the sacrifice and stain of blood that's on me. That's God's provision for each of us. It's not what we do. Our culture says that we have to move through the hoops to gain salvation. I've heard it so many times. People that feel guilty and want to talk. And we sit down and we pray and I say, tell me what's on your heart. I feel guilty. I was like, you know that's not the plan. The problem is you are guilty. This is not about a feeling. This is about a fact. We are guilty. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then the problem is you're misunderstanding the gospel if you feel guilty because that is now gone. It's wiped clean. We walk in freedom. Our culture drives us the wrong way. Hard left. The culture drives us into the feeling. Scripture, our true north, everything in here is true, infallible. You cannot prove it to be false. There is people smarter than everybody in this room that have tried to prove this is wrong, and they can't do it. In fact, I know three of them, talked to two of them, who tried to do this, uh, Josh McDowell being one, who spent almost 15 years trying to discredit the Bible, that this is not true. He became an evangelist. Like Paul, who was Saul killing the Christians. 
It's true. It's been proven to be true. And it will always be true. Why don't we act like it's true? Why don't we follow it? Anything we can do to make grace for everyone. And just like you find a thousand dollars laying in a pit. Just like you are excited about your new car. Or you're excited about news. Someone's pregnant. Or you have to share. You have to talk. Talk about the grace given to you. Not what I've done to earn it, but what they can receive through the death and being raised again of Jesus Christ. That He died for my sins. Do you know Him? The gospel was completed on the cross. Living life fully and abundantly, John 10.10, was completed that day. I said it's not fire insurance. It's not so I can go off and live however I want. It's so I can go off and live in freedom. My motivation becomes honoring the gospel by living that way. Not compromise like Peter did. That we also talk about it. To be bold in our faith. It's our story. Tell someone. I, um, about a month ago, I talked to someone who's like, I am scared to death to talk about Jesus because I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. Uh, let me help you with something. You probably will say something wrong. <laughs> it's the message of Christ that's simple. You think God is now worried that you might say something wrong and He can't fix it? No, it's the boldness that you have to walk in faith day to day and carry the message of Christ. Simple, but complicated. Verse 20, and we talked about Romans 6 and 1 Corinthians 12. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. You hide behind the cross every time you talk about your story. And don't worry about the results. You leave all that to God. Just plant seeds. Talk about God and what He's done to you. What He's done for you. It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's whose you are. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. There are people that are going to be on both sides of the worship center that would love to talk to you if you don't have a clue who I'm talking about. Who's this Jesus guy? I've never thought about all that before. And I want to pray with someone about that. Maybe there's something you want to talk about. There's going to be people on both sides that would love to talk to you about that. Now, in COVID days, if you're not comfortable, that's okay. Email us and let us know. If you're online and you want to talk about that, email us. Prayer at the Fellowship. Dot cc. We would love to have lunch with you. 
meet you somewhere and let's talk about it. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe of your plan. Your provision for us. We deserve death, hell, and destruction. And you gave your son for us that we might live. Help us to understand that, receive that, and live that way. That we're not trying to measure up the good and the bad. That our good one day hopefully outweighs the bad. Forgive us when we live that way. May we live in power and faith and freedom. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.